Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. Title for today, Knucklehead Christianity, you'll see why in a few minutes. Galatians 3, 1 to 5. But I want to start off with this story, which I've told a couple times here. In fact, some of these stories I've told before, if you've been here all 14 years, you're going to recognize some of these stories. But I'm going to pull a lot together. I'm going to bring everything kind of together over 14 years today. So you'll, you'll see how it all fits together, what we've been talking about. I'm going to tell my water skiing story. Some of you remember, remember the water skiing story. I, growing up on the farm, we didn't do a lot of water skiing on the pond, all right? So uh, we got into college, and, and some of my friend, one of my friends had a boat, and they're going to take us water skiing, and I had never been water skiing. I was very athletic. I did a lot of sports. Uh, I was a farm boy, strong, and I'm like, this is going to be a piece of cake. You know, I'm an athlete, strong, farm kid. I'm gonna, I can handle water skiing. This is a piece of cake. And so get out there. We, we went to the Niagara River. We couldn't use Lake Ontario because it's too rough. The Niagara River is pretty rough too, but compared to Lake Ontario, it's not. Uh, this is not like the Delaware. It's like choppy, but if you stay in the wake, you know, and behind the boat, you're okay. You can actually ski. About five miles above the falls, they took us because that was the smoothest area they could find. We put in on the Niagara River, and, and, they, and I, my friends are all skiing, and they said, okay, Chuck, it's your turn. I'm like, oh, it's going to be easy, you know, and I... Get, get behind the boat. They said, now put the rope between the skis, you know, and hold on, and, and we're going to pull you up. Just hold on to the rope. And I said, ah, yeah, go, go, go. So they take off. I jumped right up out of the water, and I pulled on the rope, and I fell flat on my back. And they're like, what are you doing? Don't pull the rope. Just hold the rope. I'm like, oh, but it just felt so weird. I just, I'm used to doing, you know, farm, throwing hay bales, you know, doing something. I felt like I had to do something. So I said, all right, all right, all right, all right. They loop around again. They give me the rope. All right, go. I hop out of the water real fast, standing up, pull the rope, flat on my back again. And they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, give me the rope, give me the rope. They circle around again. This went on. I'm, I, I, can't, I don't remember the exact number, but it was at least 10 times. I kept pulling that stupid rope. I could not help it. I just felt like I should be doing something. And the the boat was supposed to be doing it all, but I I just couldn't resist. And finally, they were joking and said, this is your last chance. We're going to let you go over the falls. We can see the mist, you know. And uh, I I don't know. I didn't have my glasses on. But anyway, but they were like, okay, this is your last chance. And I'll never forget that. I finally got it. The boat pulls me up, and I started to do this. And and the rope went stuck, and I went like this. I kept doing this, and finally, I was like, oh, and I just held on to the, the rope. And, and I, wherever the boat took me, it was great. I had a great time, and from then on, I was okay. But it was so hard trying to water ski, trying to not pull. And I know a lot of you think, that's ridiculous, that's crazy. But a lot of us do the same thing spiritually. We're told to be saved by faith and live by faith and just hang on to that rope. But we try to do it in our own power. And when we do, we fall on our back, we fall on our face, we fall down all the time. We, you know, we have all kinds of problems because we spiritually are doing that same thing, whether it's salvation, how do we get right with God, or how do, once we're a Christian, how do we live that Christian life? We have the same struggle. Are we going to try to do it by faith or works? By faith or works. And uh, we got a little slide up here for that. You'll see this several times here. That's the the conflict in the spiritual life. Faith versus works. And Paul addresses this struggle in this book to the Galatians, but it's really for them, but it's really for us because it's the same exact struggle all throughout the last 2,000 years. It's the same struggle. Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you for the worship today. We thank you for the, the baptism video and the reminder of just what you did in, on that Sunday and have done in so many of lives, all of our lives, really. We just thank you for that. We just pray now that your spirit, we pray for your mercy and grace, that your spirit would speak to us through your word and, and move us forward in our spiritual walk, not by our power, but by your power. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So, a little background here. At the time of Paul's letter, the Judaizers were corrupting the minds and beliefs of the Galatians. The Judaizers were, were people that claimed to be Christian, but they taught a false doctrine. They taught that you had to follow the Jewish law to be saved. They didn't reject faith. They just added something to it. They said, yes, faith plus you have to do all these, these things. Sound familiar to anybody who grew up from different religious backgrounds? Yes, faith in Jesus, but then you've got to jump through all these hoops. And that's what they taught. But as Romans 11.6 says, and if, by, and if by grace, then it's no longer by works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. If you add one thing to grace, it's no longer grace, right? And that's what Paul is going to be stressing. All throughout Galatians, he's stressing faith in grace, not works. We have the same confusion today. Many churches in our country, all around us, teach a works salvation. That's what they teach. You've got to be good enough. You have to follow certain religious rituals or, or jump through these spiritual hoops or be good enough to get to heaven someday. That's what they teach. And that's why I always ask the same question. Whenever I have a spiritual conversation with someone, I always ask that big question. I've asked it many, many times here. If you were to die and stand before God, and he were to say to you, why should I let you into heaven, what would you say? That question always gets to the heart of the matter. Always. It, it never fails. It gets to the heart of the matter. Because, because everyone, outside of those who have put their faith in Christ and are depending on Christ, are trying to work their way in. Every other religion, even though Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. But just so I'll use the, 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 the moniker for, for the, this purpose. Every other religion teaches a works salvation. Buddhism. Buddhism teaches the what? The eightfold path. Hindus have to achieve karma. Jews have to keep the covenant, keep the law. Muslims have to keep the law again, the code of the law. Every, you, you can study, and there we have a great book out there, of, so what's the difference? Comparing Christianity with all the other religions and cults and, and religious systems out there, the difference is every one of them, every religion, every cult, every other religious system has a, a system of earning your way into God's favor, earning your way into heaven someday. Every one of them, Christianity, true Christianity, is the only, re, the only one that is a gospel of faith. It's not a religion, it's a relationship with, G with God through his son Jesus Christ, and it's based on faith and grace. Grace being unmerited favor, a gift that God gives us, and we put our faith in that gift. Talk about that in a few more minutes. It's the only one, and that's why it's so serious when someone messes with salvation. If you want to get me upset, a church has different traditions. Oh, we're going to sprinkle children instead of baptize adults. You know, I, I believe strongly in the baptism, but that's not going to make me crazy. What makes me crazy is when they mess with salvation. That's when I get upset. 
And not only did I get upset, but Paul also got upset. Galatians 1.8, back up a few chapters. In Galatians 1.8 it says, But even if we, talking about himself, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. He said, even if we, or even if an angel appears and preaches a different gospel, the gospel of faith in God's grace, if anybody does that, let him be eternally condemned. The Greek is anathema, which is a curse. And when you talk about eternally condemned, the real wording of this is they're cursed by God eternally. They can go to hell for eternity. This is not the vulgar usage, but he's saying they can go to hell. They will go to hell. That's what Paul is saying. You don't mess with the gospel. Even if an angel appears, and you think of all the different angels that have appeared to give people a new religion, a new religious system. Where did, where did Muhammad get it? An angel appeared. Where did, where did the, the Mormon religion start? Joseph Smith, the angel Morani, adequately named, but they could leave the eye off. Morani, uh, he, he appears and gives Joseph Smith a whole different Bible and a different work salvation, and they claim to be a, another Christian denomination, but they're not. It's a different gospel. And, and unless Joseph Smith repented, which I never heard of that, that he and along that angel are eternally condemned. It's, you don't mess with the gospel. It's the gospel of faith. Salvation by faith in God's grace. And so many are confused about this. How, they, how to get right with God. How to be, we call it salvation. How to be saved. How to know you're going to go to heaven. Because there's two options. It's faith or works. Once again, the the. Uh, uh, the slide up behind us, you, it's, there's this battle between faith or works. And if I ask that big question, if you were to ask most people that big question, what do the vast majority of pe people say? Works. They pick the works instead of the faith. And I hear it all the time. Well, I, I'm a good guy. I never killed anybody, you know, although that's getting increasingly rare in our society. Uh, I, I went to church, I jumped through all the hoops, I did all, I got the sprinkling and the confirmation and jumped through all the hoops, uh, because it's hard, it's always do, 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 something they do, because it's hard to accept this free faith. We all think we have to earn our way. There's no such thing as a free lunch, right? And we all think we have to earn our way, but Ephesians 2.8.9 makes it very, very clear. Ephesians 2.8.9 says, and I hope you have this memorized by now. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one may boast. It's faith in God's grace. Why? So that we can't boast, so that God gets all the glory. It's him doing it all. Now, are works important? Sure. Let's look at verse 10, following that up. Well, once again, we'll do the, all three verses. For it is by grace you are saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one may boast. Then he goes on to say, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We're saved so that we can do good works. Do good works save us? Not one little bit. They don't do one thing to get us right with God. Are they important? You bet they're important. Why? Because it shows that we really were saved, that we actually put our faith in Jesus. It shows that our faith is real. Works will follow true salvation. They don't save us, but they follow true salvation. There has to be fruit. No fruit, no Jesus. No Jesus, no fruit. We are, we are saved by faith, not works. Now get this. We're saved by faith, not works, but it must be a faith that works. You get that? We're, not, we're saved by faith, not works, but it must be a faith that works. It proves that it's real. Now, back to faith. We're saved, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. We're saved by faith in God's grace. We put our 
faith, our trust, our hope. Faith means to put your trust in something. We put our trust in God's grace. Grace means undeserved favor, unmerited favor, something that we don't deserve. It's a gift. It says it's a gift. It's a gift. We put our trust in God's gift. We accept his gift. What was that gift? John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Believe, faith, it's the same word. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That gift that he gave is his son, Jesus Christ, and we have to believe in that gift. We have to put our trust in that gift. God sent his son, Jesus, to die for us. He gave him as a gift, and he died to give us life. He paid the penalty for our sin, for all the wrong we've ever done that kept us away from the holy, just God. He took our punishment, blood for blood, his blood for our blood. He took our punishment so that we could receive the gift of life. The gift of life. What? Let me ask you something. That's the gift. What can you do with a gift? You can either receive it or you can reject it. That's all you can do with a gift. And that's the choice we have. Are we going to receive this gift that God has sent his son, only son, to die in our place, to, to pay for our sin, to make us right with him, to, to pay for our crime, to take our place in to be executed in our place so that we don't have to spend eternity in hell? Are we going to receive that gift or reject that gift? But the one thing you cannot do with a gift is pay for it. Because what happens when you pay for a gift? It's no longer a gift. Christmas morning, you uh, teenagers, you, sh- you come down Christmas morning and under the tree, there's no present for you, just this little box. And you're like, oh, what's in there? You open up, car keys. Parents say, look outside in the driveway, and look out, and there's your favorite car. Think of your favorite car, right? Yes! What do you do? You say, oh, Mom and Dad, I just can't afford this. How about if I pay you a dollar a week for the rest of my life? Is that what you say? No, you jump out the window, and you get in the car, and you drive away, right? You don't pay. Even if you offered them one penny, what would you have just made that gift? It's not a gift anymore. One penny. The only thing you can do with the gift is receive it or reject it. We are saved by faith in God's grace. It's nothing we have done or can do. We are saved by faith. Is that clear to us? It's impossible to be good enough to get to heaven. It's impossible to work our way into heaven. If it was possible, then Jesus wouldn't have to come and die for us. God would not have sent his one and only son to die in our place. But it's impossible. And I'm going to give you a picture of how crazy it is. In fact, I got a phone call this week from an old, old friend. His name was Denny. He called me out of the blue. Haven't talked to him forever. And, uh, and I'm going to send him a CD of this because I want him to hear. I'm still, I said, I'm still talking about you, Denny. Uh, he was in my youth group. And he, one, when, when I was a youth, youth leader in our home church when I was in college, I was doing like the internship thing like our kids have been doing. And Denny was like my sidekick, my shadow. He was a pain in the butt. So anyway, I, I'm saying all this because he's going to get the CD. I was kidding on the phone. You know, I loved you. And he goes, I was a pain. Yeah, 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 you were a pain in the butt. So anyway, the, uh, he would follow me everywhere. And he'd come over. And, and he, was, he actually made life a lot of fun. He made it a lot of fun. And, but he would, he would come over and always be like, I want to do something. I want to do something. And, and he wanted to drive the tractor. And my dad's like, don't let Denny drive the tractor. Whatever you do. Yeah. And uh, he would he'd always want to do something. So one day he came over. And I was unloading corn. And 
and uh, he came over and he said, can I, I want to help you with the, the corn. And I said, well, there's really not much you can do. You, you can't drive the tractor. You, my dad's not going to let you near the corn picker, you know. Uh, so he's like, I want to do something. I want to do something. And I'm like, okay, you can stack the corn. He looks up at the corn crib, you know, as I'm getting ready to start the corn coming out of the wagon up to the conveyor belt. You have this metal wagon and you open the door and it comes into a, an elevator and it takes it way up high, about 30 feet high, and drops it into the corn crib. And there was already a, the corn crib was already half full, just piled up with corn. He looks up there and he says, wow, what do you mean? I go, well, you, you can stack the corn. He goes, well, none of it's stacked yet. You know, I go, well, that's because I didn't have any help. But if, if, if I have help, my dad's going to expect it stacked. He said, oh, okay. And so he climbs up into the corn crib. And I said, are you ready? He goes, I'm ready. Thumbs up. And I turn it open. And the elevator starts carrying the corn up and dropping in about a mm, thousand ears a minute, you know. Pow, boom, 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 boom. I don't, and, and he's trying to catch them and stack them. Now, I don't know if you've ever been hit with an ear of corn. Not sweet corn. A field corn. Cow corn. It, it's like a rock, right? It hurts. It hurts. It's a weapon. He's getting hit with this corn, dropping 30 feet. He's trying to catch it and stack it, and you would not even know he was in there, right? You, you can't stack corn. It's like stacking sand on the beach. It's impossible. And, and it's just piling down, piling down. He's getting hit, and, and, there's, and, and I'm, like, I'm like, is he really doing this? You know? And I'm dying. I'm, like, I'm leaning against the wagon with my back to him, just... I'm, I'm hoping you just see me heaving, laughing. I'm just laughing, you know. And, and I look back and I'm like, Denny, you missed a couple. He goes, I'm trying. Boom, 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 you know. And, and, and he just, he stacked the whole load of corn. You would never know he was in there because you couldn't tell he was in there. Is it possible? And he, get, he gets out of there and he's all bruised up. He's a wrestler. He's a tough kid. He gets out of there and he's like, Oh, man, that was painful. That was painful. Am I bleeding anywhere? And he's got corn tassel and dust all over my life. Ah, uh, yeah, you're, you look okay. You did all right. You know, he go, I go, you missed a few. He goes, I did my best. You know, I go, he goes, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I go, well, you're going to have to ask my dad's permission because, you know, my dad's going to expect it stacked, but you can ask my dad. Let's go down and pick up the next load of corn. So I start driving down with the empty wagon. I'm driving down. He goes, I hope he doesn't make me do it anymore. I just, I just don't want to do this anymore. I go, well, ask my dad. Ask my dad. So we get down there. And I stopped the wagon, and my dad's picking, and he's coming around the corner, and, and Denny goes running off to talk to my dad. And I'm sitting on the, on the track there, and I, and I put my feet up on the, the wheel, you know, I'm kind of leaning back, and I'm just going to enjoy this. And I see Denny going over to my dad, and he's got his back to me, you know, and, and Denny's doing like this, boom, 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 you know, and he's talking, I can't hear a thing, but my dad keeps looking past him with this confused look, looking at me like, what? I just remember my dad, he's like, what? What? Yeah, he all scrunched up, and and he just, and Denny's still doing this, and, and and finally I just cracked a smile, and my dad just fell down, like he got shot. He just fell on the ground laughing. I crawl off the, the tractor laughing. We crawled each other laughing, and Denny's going to get you guys, you know. And uh, my dad couldn't believe I talked some of the stacking corn because it's ridiculous. It's it's really stupid, right? But no more stupid than trying to work our way into heaven. It's impossible. It's ridiculous. If you step back and look at it spiritually, it's impossible, ridiculous, is, is crazier than stacking corn. We can only be saved by faith. All right. I hope we're clear on that now. Now, here's the next question. We know how we're saved, how we get right with God, but after we put our faith in Christ, and I hope everybody has or does that soon, how do I live the Christian life? How do I live it? And I've been in ministry over 30 years now. 
And I hear this a lot. I've been struggling, but I'm going to really start trying harder now. I call it Avis Christianity, right? I'm going to really start trying hard. At a testimony, I remember testimonies during retreats. The teens all would come up and say, I've been messing up for the last year, but I'm going to really start trying harder now. I'm going to really change. I'm going to start trying harder. What box is that? Faith or works? It's works. But how many of us do the same thing? We're messing up. I gotta really start trying harder now. I gotta, I gotta, gotta change. The Galatians said the same thing. Let's see what Paul says to them. In Galatians 3, we'll pick it up with verse 1. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Have you suffered so much for nothing, if it really was for nothing? Does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? And you see the, the, the law, the, it's works versus faith. He's, he's laying it out in front of them. He calls them foolish. Some of your versions say ignorant. That's really the word. And he starts off, even with that, he starts off with, it's in the Greek it says, oh, it's a painful, like, oh, idiots. Is what he's doing. There's this groaning there, knuckleheads. This is what I call the knucklehead Christianity. He says Jesus Christ was crucified. Why is he saying that? Because Jesus was put on public view, on public notice, on view as public notice, to show that he was crucified. He died for us. And what did Jesus say on the cross? It is finished. If he finished it, why are we trying to restart it, right? It's finished. There's no more we can do. And he says in verse 2, he says, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit? That's when, when you were saved. When you received the Spirit, when we put our faith in Christ, that's called salvation. The Bible calls it being saved, salvation. And that's when the Holy Spirit comes inside of us. He says, did you receive the Spirit by observing the law, which is works, or by believing what you heard? Faith. Works or faith? We can answer that. We're saved by faith. Then he goes on to say, verse 3, are you so foolish... After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? They had slipped into a deception of, of saved by faith, but now I'm going to live it by human effort. We're going to live it in our own power, our own strength. Verse 5, he says, does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law, works, or because you believe what you heard? Faith. It's not just at salvation, it's living the Christian life. It's the same thing. We, we, the, they, they were making the same mistake that a non-Christian would make, trying to be saved by, by works. They're making the same mistake trying to live by works, by human effort. And the key, and this is what Paul is stressing here, God did it all at salvation and he'll do it all now. You might be sitting out there struggling right now. You may have had a hard week. You ever have a hard week? <laughs> you may have had a hard life. 
And this whole Christian thing is not really, it's confused. It's not really working for me. My, listen to this, because this is why. This, whenever I, it's not working for me, I know why. It's because I'm trying to work it instead of living by faith. And this is really, really key. God did it all at salvation, and we need him to do it now. And look at the result. I wanted to share a few results of trying to live the Christian life on our own power, in our own flesh, the Bible calls it. Legalism. That's where we get to the whole legalism talk we've been having. Legalism. I gotta read this much of my Bible and pray this long on my knees and, and memorize this many verses and those are all good things. But but if it's legalistic, it's a chore. And we're so focused on reading that chapter that we a verse the Holy Spirit throws into our face and says, chew on that for a while. We miss it because we're trying to get that chapter done. We miss what the Holy Spirit's trying to say to us. Pride. Pride is a big one. In ministry, pride. We do something for God. We're like, God, look what I did. Are you happy? Look what I did for you. No, I'm not happy. You did it. You did it. I didn't do it through you. You did it. Or, or we're purity. We, we have a struggle with a temptation. Think of a struggle with a temptation we might have, each one of us. And, and we're like, boy, I want to I wanna make God happy. I want to... I want to live the right way for God. I'm going to try really hard. And we get through a whole day without giving in to that temptation. And, and we're like, wow, did you see that, God? Did you see what I did? A whole day I didn't do X, Y, and Z. Did I do good? Aren't you happy, God? No, he's not happy. Because we did it in the flesh. We did it. And, 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 and we did it in our own power, not his power. Because he knows what's going to end up happening. We may make it a day, but two days is going to be a stretch, right? We're going to be defeated. Because we're doing it in our own strength. We're going to live in defeat. We're going to try, we fail, and then we sin. And then we feel guilty, we get frustrated, and we start self-condemnation. You idiot, you idiot, you idiot. Banging our head against the wall. Charlie Brown, right? Self-condemnation. And then we, 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 we this, this constant self-condemnation, we get so hard on ourselves. Some of us could be tour guides for guilt trips, right? We're, we're just beating ourselves up all the time. And then we, then we, this is what's really scary, we give up. We give up and we start to fake it. Nobody here. And people come up to you at church or in the home fellowship or at youth group and say, how's it going? Good, good, it's going good. It's going good. I can always tell when you're gritting your teeth saying, good, good. I always know it's not going good. And if you see me gritting my teeth, it's not going good for me either. We fake it. We don't tell people how we're doing because we're doing terrible, which is wrong. We should be transparent. We all know that. And, and it, it, it's the white-knuckle Christianity where we just hang on, hang on. No, i got to do this. i got to do this. It's the knucklehead Christianity because it doesn't work. And we end up, and this is what's really bad, we end up mad at God. You ever been there? Some of you are there right now, aren't you? We get mad at God. And it's not even what he said to do. We're getting mad at God because it's not working. And it's not what he said to do. The secret, what he said to do, back up one chapter from Galatians 3 into Galatians 2, is the secret. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by Faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the secret. Dying to self and living by faith. 
many have tried to kill the flesh, kill self. Ben Franklin had a list of virtues he carried in his pocket, and he tried to change. And if you know his moral life, you know it didn't work out so well. St. Francis of Assisi, he died. St. Francis of Assisi died young because of excessive fasting. He fasted so much he killed himself. Tried to achieve this, this, this death to self. St. Ignatius of Loyola beat himself. His back was just scar tissue. He used to beat himself, trying to kill the self because he couldn't get past the temptations and struggles. Couldn't get past it. And yet the Holy Spirit, speaking through the Apostle Paul, here says, the key is Galatians 2.20, we must be crucified with Christ. I no longer live. I got a great quote here. I don't know where it came from. I could not find where I got it from. Whoever you are out there, maybe you're in heaven, thank you for this quote. But anyway, it says here, now this is great. The last enemy to be destroyed in the believer is self. Get that? It dies hard. Self, talking about self, me. It will make any concession if only it is allowed to live. Self will permit the believer to do anything, give anything, sacrifice anything, suffer anything, go anywhere, take any liberties, bear any cross, if only it can live. If only its life can be spared. A lot of truth in that, isn't it? I must die, but I can't do it. Only Jesus Christ can do it. We must be crucified with Christ. Not just the one time at salvation, but it's a daily dying to self. Daily being crucified with Christ. Daily saying, Jesus, I, put, I, I die to myself. I want to live to you. It's a daily thing. And, and I, I must be crucified with Christ, and I can't live apart from him. We can only live this life by faith in Jesus Christ. We are saved by faith and we live by faith. Saved by faith and live by faith. Every day. And every day it's like a struggle, isn't it? We keep shifting into the flesh and trying to do it on our own. And we don't even talk to God. We're dealing with problems and dealing with struggles and dealing with our job and our children and our marriage. And, but we don't even think about God. We're doing it in the flesh. And then we wonder why we're all frustrated at the end of it. We have to live by faith. I'll give you a couple of practical examples. Temptation. Instead of white-knuckle Christianity with white-knuckling the temptation that we're going through, we say, God, I can't do this. In fact, I want to sin. Go ahead and tell him. He knows it. Tell him, I really want to sin. And if you don't help me, I'm going to sin. I need you. I need your mercy and grace to fight this. And then when we do sin... What do we always, when we sin, our, our, our first reaction is, I can't talk to God. No, I just did this horrible thing, or I thought this horrible thing, or almost did this horrible thing. I can't talk to God. I gotta go get myself cleaned up first. I've been for a, an hour, a day, or whatever, whatever in our mind we've come up with, um, a week. Then I can go talk to God again. I get myself cleaned up. That's a lie, isn't it? No, when we struggle and we fall on our face, that's when we need to go right to God and go right to him and confess it and give it over and ask for his mercy and grace. He, uh, Hebrews 4, 16, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Right when we're struggling, right after we've sinned, that's the time to go to God because if we don't, it's just going to get worse. He's not shocked that we fall. He expects it. He knows we're dodos. He knows where we struggle. That's why he sent his son Jesus to die for us. 
That's why he put his Holy Spirit into us to convict us and bring us right back. He's not shocked. Ministry. Even in ministry, we can be in the flesh. You ever do ministry in the flesh? It's easy. Do it on our own. No prayer, no dependence. Kind of just go through the motions. Yeah. Amen. Hear that? (laughs) Nursery. uh, Nursery, children's church, youth group, worship team. Hey, don't take my amen away here. Don't take my amen away. So, uh, uh, whatever ministry it is, it, we can do it in the flesh. Preaching, doing the worship team, anything. Feeding the hungry, anything. We can do it in the flesh. And there won't be the fruit. And we aren't going to have the joy of it. And, and there won't be the result. And we're going to end up frustrated and struggling. I, I remember when I really learned this lesson. I've heard it many, many times. But I remember when God really showed this to me. And I still struggle with it all the time. Wait, oh, 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 oh. Am I, before I make this phone call, am I going to pray and ask God for help with this? Or before I counsel or before I do this? Or am I just going to keep doing it myself? It's a constant battle. But I remember when I really hit home. I was in India. And I went on a trip to India for a couple weeks. And I was working with these church planters over there with Gospel for Asia. Tremendous ministry. And I was, I'm in Asia there, and the, the, I got really close with this group of young church planters. I call them my boys. And they, they were just, just, a, so, just a tremendous, committed group of young men out there church planting and doing street evangelism. And they were, they were saying, at the end of the week, we, we always meet up at the end of the week to go up on top of prayer, the prayer mountain and pray. But no American has ever gone with us. And I was so close to them, and I was, I'm, I'm no American is ever, I'm going with you guys. At the end of the week, I'm, there's this mountain. I'm, I'm going to walk up that mountain with you guys, and I'm going to pray with you guys. We're going to have a great time. Really? You're going to? And they were all excited. They couldn't believe I was going to do this. And I, and I said, yeah, I'm going to do it. So they got all excited, and every day, three more days, going to the top of the mountain, two more days. And the, and the day before we were going to the top of the mountain, just before I was going to leave, I was leaving two days from then, uh, I, we were out doing street evangelism, witnessing on the streets of India. It was, it was wild. It was just awesome. The people in India are so genuine. It was a beautiful experience. And we're in the van, and we're all singing these songs. And they were singing, um, greater is he who is in you, greater is he who is in you. I still remember the song, and then he who is in the world. And they were shouting it in the van. And, and we were all pumped up, and we were a, bo- a band of brothers, band of brothers. And then they said, we're hungry. Let's stop. And they stopped the van, and they went out to get something to eat and drink. Now... I had already been warned, only drink bottled water that's got the cap, the plastic thing around it, and because, you know, the different bacteria, right? Don't drink the water, right? And they'd have the same problem right if they came here. And, and be careful what you eat, but we were so close, and the Holy Spirit's going to protect me. So we stopped at this roadside stand, and I, I got a bottle of orange, it said Fanta on it. Who knows what it really was? Uh, orange Fanta, the cap was loose, you know. And so, and I, but I, we got, and I got these little doughy things, and we started eating and, and drinking my orange Fanta. We had a great time. They were sh- surprised. Wow, he's really one of us now. We were, it was great. They dropped me off at where I was staying. We had a hotel there, and uh, dropped me off with my and my other co-worker was with me. The two of us were in the hotel room, and I was saying what a great time we had, and it was great. Went to sleep and. Very early in the morning, I woke up. I think I woke up. I thought I was dying. It was bad. I couldn't even stand up. I just remember the, they had a fan going in, and it was going, and I felt like I was spinning on the fan, you know, just spinning. And, and I just remember 
rolling off the bed and crawling into the bathroom, and my body wanted to get rid of that orange Fanta one way or another. And it did. It was horrible. And, and, and anything in my body it was determined to get rid of it as soon as possible. And, and, and I remember just crawling back in the bed, crawling back out, crawling back in my room. And poor guy, you know, after a couple hours of this, he probably thought I'd Ebola or something. And, and he's like, so he's sitting there, and, and finally, finally he's getting up to go. He said, Chuck, the van's coming to get us. I go, why are you telling me this? You know? And uh, he goes, I'm not getting in that van. He goes, Chuck, the guys are depending on you. They're planning on you doing the walk up the mountain at, after lunch today. Remember? I go, there's no way I'm going up that mountain today. I, I don't think I get out of the bed again, you know? And, and he's like, I'm going to pray that you'll, you'll be able to do it. And I, so he puts his hand on me, and that was brave of him, you know, whatever germs I had. He starts praying for me, and I, and I remember he finished praying. I said, it's going to have to be your faith. It's not mine. I can't get up that mountain today, you know? And uh, he goes off. And I started feeling better a little while later. Around 10 o'clock, I started feeling better. I'm like, hey, I'm feeling better. But I'm still pretty weak. I better eat something so I have the strength to get up that mountain. And I went and got one of my snacks, and I remember started eating something. And was that a mistake? You've all heard of projectile. It was a horrible, horrible experience, you know. And, and I... And I Crawl back in the bed, crawl back in the bed. I said, the, the fan starts spinning with me on it again, and I'm like, why did I eat something? You know, why, why, why? So I'm like, God, help me, help me. These guys want me to go for And I started praying. I said, God, help me. Help me not to die, first of all. And then, second of all, help me to somehow get over to that mountain with these guys, or at least go say goodbye to them, just wave them up the mountain, something. Just help me, help me. I just started praying, and, and I just kept praying, God, help me, help me. I can't do this. Help me. And, and I kept praying. And and I, around 11 o'clock, I actually kind of sat up, and then I went into the, the shower, but it wasn't really a shower. You had to fill up a thing and dump it on your head. I started thumping water on my head and took my little bucket shower, and, 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 and I was like kept praying, and the phone rang, and it was the guy's calling, you ready to go up the mountain? <laughs> I wasn't, but I said, oh, come and get me. We'll talk when I get there. So they sent the driver to come and get me in the van. And I remember getting into the van, I'm really dying. Get in the van. He said, here we go. And I had forgotten how you drive in India. Indiana Jones. Remember he's dodging the Nazis and knocking motorcycles off the road and all that, you know, and Indiana falls under the car and comes out and punches the guy. And all. You know, remember, remember that whole scene? That's how they drive in India. At least they did when I was there 25 years ago, whatever it was, uh, 20 years ago. And it was it was like being on a roller coaster. It was like being on the wild mouse. It would be a, you know, it was, I was sick. And Liam knows, remember, we took the boys to the, the, uh, the rides, and I got sick. I did one ride, and then it was it. I was sick. You know, and Liam sat on the bench and patted my hand and said, it's okay. The boys are having fun. But, but at, I, the, this was, I'm sick on top of it, and I'm riding the wild mouse, you know. Zoom, 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 zoom. This guy's dodging everywhere, and I'm like, I'm just like, I would have thrown up, but there's nothing left to throw up, you know? And, 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 and finally, I'm just like, God, help me, help me, help me. Help us not to get killed, but also help me, help me, because I'm going to be sick. I'm dying. I can't do this. And we get to the camp, and now I feel really bad again. And I get out, and I open the door, and I get out, and I stagger out of the van, and the boys all come running up. They're boys, they're, you know, 20, you know. They all come running up, and they're like, all big smiles. You're here, you're here, you're here. And they saw my face. I was like a different color at that time. It was yellowish, you know. And, and they said, oh, have you been vomiting? 
I go, that's one way of putting it. Want it? Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, and they go, oh, okay, yeah. Well, let's go up the mountain. I go, I'm not feeling too good after all this vomiting, you know. I said, uh, they said, come on, come on. And they grabbed my, i never forget, they come on, you can do it. And I said, God, help me, help me. We're going up the mountain. They called it Prayer Mountain. And we start walking up the mountain, and, and there was boulders, and it was tricky. And I was like, now, you know, normally I'm a pretty good hiker. You know, I'm out in the woods all the time. But I was struggling. And they, I remember they grabbed my arms on both sides, and, and they got me from behind, and they're pushing me up the mountain. It was like angels carrying me up the mountain, you know. It was, it was really cute. It was really cute. And real touching. And, and they were all the whole time they're going up. And I'm praying, God, help me. Help me. Help me the whole way up. I'm about halfway up the mountain. And I'm like, this isn't too bad. I, I can do this. I, I remember thinking, I can do this. I can do this. Especially with all them carrying me. I can do this. And, and I remember thinking, that. I said, guys, this isn't so bad. Why don't the Americans ever climb this mountain with you guys? Oh, because of all the wipers. I go, the wipers? Yeah, the wipers, they're poisonous. The vipers? <laughs> yeah, the wipers. I go, the vipers? Yeah, I go, no. I go, this, the name is Snake Mountain. It's really called Snake Mountain. We ne- renamed it Prayer Mountain, but, the, but everybody around here knows it's Snake Mountain, all the, the wipers here. I'm like, oh, this is really bad. And now I'm really freaking out, right? I'm like, Kim's going to kill me. I'll already be dead, but she's going to spit on my grave, you know? And I get home, leaving there with four kids at home at the time. And, you know, <clears throat> and so then the whole time I'm looking for wipers, you know? At every step, I'm like, God, help me, help me, help me. I hate snakes, you know? I'm, help me, God, help me. The whole way up, the whole way up, I'm like, well, I'm, I'm either going to throw up or be killed by a viper. The whole way up, right? And I'm like, God, help me, help me, help me. The whole time up, I, I refocus my prayer. I can't do this. I need God again. And I finally get to the top. We get, we get to the top. We had this awesome time of prayer. We could see the whole area. It was just unbelievable view. We prayed, prayed, prayed. We got down while being tripping over any wipers. And uh, we got home. And, but I, I learned something. That was the time that I learned that, you know what? I was totally dependent on God. For that ministry, every step, even getting up, every step was a dependence, a prayer dependence. And that's really where God wants us with ministry, with life. We keep thinking, I can do this. We get knocked down, and it's a reminder. No, I can't. I need to depend on God's grace to do this because we can't do it, can we? We can't get saved, we can't live this Christian life. And it was a dependence. And we need the same thing as fathers and husbands and, and wives and moms. We, we, we need God's power in our life through his mercy and grace. And even devotions. We can't even desire to read the Bible without his grace. We've got to say, God, I don't even want, want it. I want to go watch a movie. I want to go read a book. I want to do anything except go to your word. That's what our flesh doesn't want. It. We, we even need to depend on him for the desire to, to, to get into the Bible. Because it's not legalism. Legalism says we can earn salvation or add to our own righteousness or gain increased favor with God by accomplishing something for him. Right? We can, we, we're trying to get increased favor with God by accomplishing something. But this is a relationship based on faith, not a performance. And it's so important to remember that it's not, it's, it's not a performance. It's a relationship based on faith and letting him work in us and letting him do something powerful. It's not about performing for God. He's not looking for, oh, rating us, how well did we do today? He wants us dependent on him no matter how we read. He wants us dependent on him and living by his mercy and grace all the time. 
I remember when Ryan was uh, playing, uh, first started playing soccer. He was five years old. We were in Connecticut at the time. And I took him to his first game. And I worked a lot with him in the yard and kept playing with him and getting him going. And he was little. He's like Danielle. Danielle's turning five this week. He was little like that. But it was a five, six, and seven-year-old. So he's playing against some older kids. And he was a little squirt. He goes out there and does these bigger kids. And he lines up and they start playing the game. Coach puts him and he starts playing. And he gets the ball and he dribbled all the way down the field. Nobody could stop him. Well, nobody wanted to stop him because he went the wrong way. He went on and shot at the other goal. And the, fortunately, our goalie saved the ball. Looked at him and said, what are you doing, kid? And the coach looked at me like all mad, you know, because I was standing there. I said, at least he can dribble. That's pretty good dribbling, right? Yeah. And I remember saying that to the coach. And he's like, Pfft. Yeah, and so, so later on, second half, the ball squirts out. Ryan, he always knew. The one of his guys got the ball inside. I always told him, go to the middle, go to the middle. And the ball, guy shoots in it, doesn't go anywhere. It just lands in front of the net. Ryan runs up and kicks it in and scores a goal. This little tiny kid scores a goal. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I looked at the coach, see, you know. You know so we were just so excited. You know, he scored a goal. And he, looks at, he didn't even know what he did. He looked over, I'll never forget, he looked over at me like, was that okay? Because I yelled at him when he went the wrong way. I said, Ryan, the other way, the other way. Yeah. So this thing, he looked at me, is that okay? Go, yeah, that's good. That was the right goal. Good, good, good. Now, when, when I was, ex- I was ex- well, let me ask you this. When do you think I loved him more? When he was going the wrong way or when he scored the goal? When did I love him more? Same. Same. His going the wrong way didn't subtract any love, and his scoring the goal didn't add any love. Didn't change one little bit of love in my heart for him. Not one little bit. Not one little bit. When when does God love us more? Now, yeah, he's more excited whether we're going the right direction. And he wants us to follow his will for our life, but he loves us and he's there. He loves us, and there's nothing that we can do to get him to love us more. Nothing. Did you have something to say, Elizabeth? Oh, I didn't know. She, Elizabeth, do you have something to add to it? Yeah. yeah. I just want to say that what you're saying is exactly what happened in my life. I started out by loving Jesus, and I worked until I was 68 years old. I decided, I taught Sunday school, I decided to choir, I did but it was all me. Mm. I knew about surrendering and letting Jesus do it. Mm. And I got so frustrated mm. standing that I said to somebody, there's a God anymore to this and we're fighting. Mm. That was when the Lord sent somebody and I found out what I had to do. Mm. I was completely surrendering myself to Jesus mm. and did do the work in me and not me. That's exactly what happened to me. Wow. 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 So, yeah, Elizabeth was 68, frustrated spiritually, doing all these things, and yet when you realize it was surrender and dependence and faith, living by faith and saved by faith, that's changed your whole life. And now we know Elizabeth. Would any of you have guessed that? You know, you know would you have guessed the last 30 years? Would have, you would have thought she always had been this, this spiritually impacting person that she is today. Thank you, Elizabeth. That was beautiful. Beautiful. There's nothing we can do to make God love us more. He loves us. We are saved by faith, and we live by faith. Just as Elizabeth just shared, we are 
we live by faith in God's grace. It's two sides of the coin, faith and grace, two sides. Have you been saved by faith? Maybe you're where Elizabeth said she was when she was 68. You're there today. Not sure of your salvation, frustrated spiritually. Have you ever been saved by faith? Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? I remember on the way to India, I was got, got on the plane. It was an international flight, and we were flying a long way. And I remember being on that plane, and I sat next to a German couple. And I was next to this German couple, and uh, a husband and wife. And on this long flight, I started talking to them. Now, my wife, Kim, will tell you I can talk to anybody. It doesn't matter what language. I, I somehow end up talking to everybody somehow. And I don't, they didn't know much English, and I don't know much German, Gesundheit. But, uh, but, the, but somehow, we started this conversation. I knew God wanted me to witness to them. And we, we started talking and somehow communicating in a little English and a little German. And they knew more English than I knew German. And, and I started, they were like, why are you going to India? And I told them why I was going to help people learn about Jesus. And they were interested. They, it turns out they had a friend who was in ministry in Germany who had witnessed to them. And so they had some of the basics of the gospel. So we started talking and, and I said, and, and I started going through the gospel with them and talking about who Jesus was, the son of God. Yeah, 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 they knew that. All right, And that he died on the cross to pay for our sin. So that we could have a you know, relationship with God and, and, and simplistic, but we had took a lot of work on this. We had a long flight. And uh, yeah, yeah, we got, you know, they understood all, they got everything. But then when I, they understood who Jesus was and what he did for us, died on the cross for us. But when I got to the faith part, they didn't, I couldn't get through to them on faith. The whole idea, they, a lot of people, right? They know about Jesus. A lot of us. You heard Elizabeth's testimony. We know about Jesus. We know what he did for us. But the faith part is a block. And, they, and we don't get it. And it's sad. But, but I was trying to explain faith, and they just couldn't get it. And I finally got it. I look, I say, God, God, please help me. I can't end with this conversation here. i got to get to the faith part. How can I explain faith to them? And I look up, and there's this big map right in front of us. We were right toward the, the area where there's this big map with a little plane flying over the ocean. You know what I'm talking about? The international flight showing you where you are over the ocean. And I'm like, oh. I said, okay. Can, look at the map. Yeah, map, yeah, okay. We're going from New York to Frankfurt. Yeah, yeah, Frankfurt, home, yeah, yeah, good, yeah, good. And I said, now, can you jump from New York to Frankfurt? Jump? No, no, why? Too far, yeah, too far, too far, yeah, 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 too far. Okay, good, 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 good. Uh, sir Gut, Sir Gut. Uh, I said, so, I said, what do you have to do? Plane. Plane, yeah, yeah, plane, plane, yeah, yeah, I got on the plane. So I gotta, yeah, you got to get on the plane to get to New York. Yes, we're on the plane. Okay, good. Can you jump from earth to heaven? Jump? I go, no, no, no jump. Why? Too far, yeah, too far, too far, too far, yeah, too far, too high, yeah, too high. All right, so I said, how do we get to heaven? No plane, no plane, no, no plane, no plane. And I said, Jesus Christ is the plane. And a light went on. Now, I don't know what they did with that, but a light went on. And I know they have a friend who's a Christian back in Germany and all that, but a light went on. 
Jesus Christ is the plane. We can't get there. We have to get on the plane, put our faith. When you get on a plane, you are totally putting your faith in that plane, in that pilot. You have given up control. If it crashes, you crash. If it gets there, you get there. That is faith. And that's what we do with Jesus. We get on the plane called Jesus Christ. Have you ever got on that plane called Jesus Christ? Leaving behind the sin and repenting of that sin and putting your faith in Jesus and giving your life to him. And then after we become a Christian, do we live by that faith? Or are we trying to do it ourselves? We, a lot of times we get on that plane and we become a Christian, but what do we do? We try to hijack that plane. We try to go in and tell God where to go with this plane. You ever do that? And we, we try to take the controls away. <laughs> you know, if he doesn't listen to us, we try to take the controls and steer the plane ourselves. Or, or if, and if that doesn't work, he locks the cockpit on us. We run up and down the aisles thinking we're going to get somewhere quicker on our own, right? We do it. We try to do it on our own. And we're not going any faster or, or where we want to go. We're still going where he wants us to go. Do, we, whenever it gets bumpy, we're tempted to take our, the controls over. What area of our life do we need to stop trying and start trusting? Just holding on to the rope and depending on his mercy and grace. Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? If we were to die today, and we could, if we were to die today and stand before God and he were to say, and he will say this, why should I let you into heaven? What would we say? What could we say? Is it something we've done? Or it's, is it something Jesus Christ has done for us? There's only one right answer. It's putting our faith in Jesus. Have you ever taken that step of faith? Pray the prayer of faith. You can do it right where you're sitting. You don't need to raise your hand. You don't need to come up front. You don't need to jump through some hoops, go to a class. It's a prayer from your heart to God's heart. It's a prayer of faith. God, please forgive me. I repent of all the sin I've ever done or ever will do I repent of that. Please forgive me. I put my faith in your son Jesus who died on the cross for me, who came alive from the grave for me. I put my faith in him. I want to get on that plane called Jesus Christ. And I'm going to follow you, God. Wherever you take me, I'm going to go. I'm going to follow you. If you've prayed that prayer of faith, if you've just climbed onto that plane called Jesus Christ, you're in for an adventure. You're in for quite a flight. <laughs> we never know where God's going to take us. But we know that he'll be with us. And now you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And you're gonna, he's going to take you places that are unimaginable. In this adventure called the Christian life. I want to encourage you to let somebody know if you've prayed that prayer. Given your life to Jesus. Let somebody know. 
Maybe you have a family member or a friend here, or if you don't, tell me. I'll be excited to hear it from you. Or fill out the card, or send me a text, or email, or let somebody know so we can be excited and, and encourage you. For those of us who have put our faith in Christ already, how's the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Maybe we've already on that plane called Jesus, but we're a hijacker. And the Holy Spirit's convicting us of these attempted hijackings. An area of life maybe that we need to live by grace instead of trying to give the controls back to Jesus. To depend on him every second for a, a, a temptation that we're facing or a sin that we keep falling to or a stronghold in our life or our ministry or our, our family relationships, our marriage, our children, a friendship. Maybe it's a sickness. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's even death. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's all of those. Maybe we're sitting here and we're feeling frustrated or, or unworthy. If you're feeling unworthy, you're in the right place. We are unworthy. That's why Jesus Christ came and died for us. God knows we're unworthy. But when God looks at us, he doesn't see an unworthy person. You know who he sees? He sees Jesus Christ. He sees us in his son Jesus. So don't feel unworthy. Don't listen to the lies. Any struggle, don't listen to the lie. Don't listen to the the accusations or the self-condemnation. Surrender to the truth. The truth. I'm just going to read one couple verses here as a closing in this prayer. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11. This is the truth. The Apostle Paul wrote, Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. That's what we all were, isn't it? We could add to that list, couldn't we? But listen to what he says. That is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Father, we pray that by living by faith, complete dependence in your grace, we would realize the truth of that passage that we've been washed, sanctified, and justified. Not just knowing it, but living it. Father, if someone here is struggling with something that's just too strong, I pray that you would lay on their heart the right person to talk to and to pray with because we need each other. You would put on their heart someone to talk to and pray with and get their victory, get their freedom, get their healing. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.